Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Let's go to Acts chapter 16, starting with verse 11 tonight. The beauty of the book of Acts is, it is what it claims to be. It is the Acts of the Apostles. So you're talking about the first century church. These are the roots of our faith. So after Jesus was crucified and he suffered and he died and rose again and appeared to many, he went back up to heaven, he ascended back to heaven, and he left the care of his church in the hands of, and his church being the body of Christ, his body, his new believers, he left the care of his church in the hands of 11 disciples and all the other women that served in his ministry, and here we are today because of how faithful they were. And this tells the story of some of the some of the major folks, and a few minors are mentioned, so Acts is powerful. Let's continue with verse 11. Um, this is after they, they, they decided they were going to go um, to Macedonia, right? So they boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across to the island of Samothrace. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that completely incorrectly. And the next day we landed at Neapolis. I don't know what that word means, but P-O-L-I-S is the Greek word for city. From there we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony, as were most of the places that the Apostle Paul and these folks visited. It was the Roman world. Folks say, I resent an empire. You know, even now humans resent empires. It's like people get an Apple iPhone. I, I, I got one. Adrian's still deciding if she likes it or not. God bless her. I like Apple. But I do resent Apple as a company sometimes. I just do. I'm like, you're telling me what I like, and you're telling me what I want, and you're probably right, but I resent you for it, right? People, humans eventually resent empires. It's just, it's, in, it's part of who we are. That's why you have people that you say, man, well, America was never an empire. Uh, it's debatable. Folks have resented the, the might of Ameri the American military. They resented Britain. They resented Rome at the time, but here's the beauty of Rome. They set up, for the first time in history, a system of roads that went through multinational and multi just international communities, different languages. They had roads that were reasonably safe because of the Roman army. To this day, you can go to places in, in Europe and find Roman roads. They're still there. The Romans put it together, and that helped facilitate the gospel. Whether you like empires or not, God used the Roman Empire for such a time as this. That's a good Christian phrase there for you, such a time as this. For there we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia in a Roman colony. And we stayed there several days just to make sure you're awake. Someone say several. More than one. On the Sabbath, which is Saturday, how many of you know it doesn't matter what day of the week you go to church as long as you go to church? Some people go Saturday nights, even now, in, in the Christian church, the evangelical church in America. They go on Saturday nights. Some people go, Wednesday's my night to connect with God and other believers and worship. That's why we have Wednesday night service. A lot of, lot of us are accustomed to going to church on Sundays. Many people go, I, I can worship God at home. Really? Well, God in the flesh went to church. His name was Jesus, and Scripture says, as was his custom, he was in church. He was in the synagogue on Saturday. If Jesus, God in the flesh, needed it, I'm going to tell you right now, we need it. You hear me on the live stream? God bless you. Thanks for joining us. If Jesus needed it, we needed it. We need it. So on the Sabbath, Saturday, right, 
We went a little way outside the city to a riverbank. This is unique. Where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. I don't understand the background of that. If that was a habit, go hang out near water and pray. But that's cool. So he said, man, we went to the riverbank, the, the, the edge of the river there, where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. And we sat down to what? Speak with some women who had gathered there. Let me, let me just stop there with the speak with some women who had gathered there. Let's put that on the screen again. Many of you do not realize this, perhaps. Some of you do. But in first century faith in Christianity, this was coming from the Jews, right? Jesus was Jewish. Um, our faith originated with Judaism, right? With Moses and the Ten Commandments and all the principles of the, the ancient law. Well, here's what we forget sometimes about Judaism and ancient Jewish tradition was women, women weren't always that valuable in that culture. Doesn't mean you're not valuable. It doesn't, women, doesn't mean women haven't always been valuable. Women have always been valuable in God's eyes. But women weren't allowed to talk to other men in public. So Paul, was a, he was a groundbreaker in this. And sometimes folks take what, he, what Paul said to Timothy and another reference about women in church in Corinth, and they go, well, Paul was anti-woman. No, he was dealing with certain things in certain places. Some say, well, women aren't allowed to speak in church. Women aren't allowed to lead. I've heard people say, well, I, I wouldn't sit under a woman. Well, guess what? We've, for, for how long have we had women on and off even leading worship here? <laughs> people say, I wouldn't listen to a woman preach. Well, would you sit under a woman leading worship? We had that tonight. Praise God. We have it on Sunday mornings. Over the years, Bethany and Beatrice have helped, and they've led songs and led worship. Said, well, I don't know if I believe in that. Well, it's happening, and God uses it. Said, well, I don't know if women can, can preach the word. It's too late. It's too late. It started with Mary Magdalene. Jesus said, go and tell my disciples, tell my brothers that I'm alive. She became the first New Testament preacher, Mary Magdalene, former whatever she was. Bless her heart, and she's in heaven now, and she has a lasting legacy. Jesus said, go and tell. Go and tell. What is, what is preaching? It's proclaiming the word. Pastor Jen tonight was up here proclaiming the word, praying. I love it that the Apostle Paul was, there's something that, this is an old churchy saying, but they called it when I was growing up, pushing over sacred cows. I don't know if that originates with India and how they hold cows as being sacred, but many people go, well, no, it's this way and it's this way only. Huh. You got guys who won't even go to church, won't serve God, but the one verse they know is, yeah, Scripture says women got to submit to men. That's not what it says, bro. Scripture says that the head of the home is the man if he's in his proper place spiritually because anything with more than one head is a freak. In nature, a two-headed snake is a freak. Say, man, that's a harsh word. It's a true word because the Lord, the Lord proclaimed through Paul, the man is the head of the home. But I was reading in Scripture. I know I'm, I'm going somewhere with this, and it's a little more prophetic. I'm hitting several things. But there was a king in the Old Testament. The Lord had prophesied about him through some prophets. And they discovered, it was crazy, even the ignorance of these Jewish people at this time the word had been hidden from them. They'd worshipped idols on and off for centuries. And a young king, it turns out that some of his people discovered part of the Old Testament. It was hidden in the, in the synagogue. It was hidden in the temple somewhere. 
And they began to read it, and the king said, oh my gosh, we're in violation. We are in violation as a nation. We are in trouble. We have not been obeying God. He is angry with us. He knew by reading the word. You know what he did? First thing, this was a nation that was about to make a huge turnaround. He sent his men and said, go to Huldah the prophetess. Go to the, the prophet lady and talk to her about this. She said, yeah, mm-hmm. God sees your heart. He's not going to bring judgment in, the, in your lifetime, but he's going to bring it. And God, God is, is going to honor your cry of humility it was a one the king sent messengers to a woman like she was like she was a king in a manner of speaking god has always used men and women i find this fascinating that the apostle paul here he is hanging out they went to speak with some women who had gathered that was faux paul in the jewish religion they weren't even allowed to worship god with the men at the temple Say, man, they couldn't talk to males that were outside of their family. But men could go do whatever they wanted. Remember the woman caught in adultery that they brought to Jesus? I've questioned that for years, right in here. Say, well, where was the man? She was just in adultery by herself? We caught her in adultery. She was in a room alone in adultery. What? Doesn't make sense to me. Where was the man? But let's stone her. No. Mm -mm. I love it. I love it. I love it that the Apostle Paul said in the New Testament, you know, in Christ, there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek. Culture, where you came from doesn't matter. It matters where you're headed. We're all one in Christ. No male or female. Say, man, did he take away gender? No, he just brought true equality. Because Jesus said from the beginning, God created them male and female. We've been, always been part of one another. A male operates at peak performance if he has a woman in his life who's a woman of God. And a woman of God operates at peak performance if she has a man in her life who is a man of God. My wife has made me better. Better in so many ways. There, there's a different perspective. And, and, and you say, man, does, does that mean everybody's called to be married? No, even Scripture says no. But we make each other better, even in church. I'm better because there's women in this church. Women are made better because there's men in this church. And it's crazy to me. I don't, I don't know why the Lord is leading me on this tonight. Someone needs to hear this, whether in this house or on the live stream. Hear the word of the Lord. <laughs> Faithfulness has never been a gender thing, where it shouldn't have been. But for years, for years, there were men in the church or even in the world said so they don't want to give women credit no they just need to do this and that there, there's some certain thing we we believe they need to be doing but not this this is for men this is for men but god has always used women in his body always they've held the families together it's not i'm not saying men aren't important but I'm, what i'm saying is women are equally important so it's so interesting to me that some po folks all they can do is focus on that do you guys remember a, it was a couple of years ago what was that was that sweet blonde lady's name, a Baptist lady? They were giving her a hard time because she was traveling, preaching. What was her name? No, not Paula White. Beth Moore. Paula White don't care what anyone thinks. She'll whip everybody. She looks like she's about this big, but she could probably whip a man. I don't know. Paula White don't care. But Beth Moore was traveling and preaching. They were giving her a hard time, and they asked one man of God who, you know, he... he God bless him. He's a man of God. He's old school, though. And they said, what would you say in two words to Beth Moore? He said, go home. Come on, man. God uses 
whoever wants to be used. And let me add something to this. This is for men and women. You are as close to God as you want to be. It keeps coming up, doesn't it? You're as close to God as you want to be. We can't blame mom or dad. We can't blame our past anymore. God says now, I created you to be male and female and serve me in your respective places and work together. Remember, we're better together. Really. There's been some who have used that phrase for even political reasons, but we are better together. And I love it that they went to speak with some women who had gathered there. That was faux Paul. That was really not first century Judaism, but Paul had taken it to the Gentiles. Now, who were the Gentiles? Non-Jews. Let's, let's go on. So one of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshipped God. Wouldn't you love to to make money selling purple cloth. How interesting. Um, she worshiped God, and she was wealthy probably because she was a merchant of expensive purple cloth, so she had some pull. She pulled some weight. And as she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. What does that mean? In one word, it means she believed. She believed. She was already a worshiper of God, but... Most likely she didn't know about Jesus yet or didn't believe in Jesus yet, but then she and her household were baptized, so they were taking the necessary steps. Man, you talk to them on the banks of a river, and then people go, I believe in Jesus, and we go, okay, well, we're by the river. Let's baptize you right now. So she and her, I don't know if they were baptized in that moment, but it sure looks like that day they were baptized in the river that they were standing beside, hanging out. And she asked us to be her guests. I love how she phrased it. Look at the power of a good, godly woman, a woman who fears God. She says, if you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, I love that word, believer, she said, come and what? Stay at my home. She was not poor, I'm telling you right now. They probably stayed in the guest house in the back. Who knows? And she urged us until we agreed, right? The power of a woman of God. So what happened next? One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, this is an interesting story. Fasten your seatbelts. One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. Spirit of divination. She earned a lot of what? A lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, look how interesting this is. One of the unique wiles of the enemy has always been he, he mixes just enough truth with his lies to grab people's attention. The best lies always have a little bit of truth in them. Remember the serpent with Eve in the garden? Did God say, well, God had said something, but it's not what the serpent said. Did God say you can't have any of the fruit? Where did he get that? He's, just, he's already casting doubt. Uh, no, God didn't say that. Look at this. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they've come to tell you how to be saved. Hesitate there, please. Let's pause there. I've had believers over the years, and it's crazy how they'll get deceived so quickly. So quickly. I remember back in the day, I'm not talking about now. I don't know his spiritual condition right now. I don't. That's between him and his God, Kanye West. But I remember years ago, folks were so deceived because they said, man, Kanye West is a believer. He had a song called Jesus Walks. I'm like, yeah, but you, have you heard his other songs? He's cussing and being degrading and all these other things. Poor soul. He may be saved now. I don't know what's going on with Kanye. Once again, 
Bless his heart. We we're praying for him. A couple years ago, he got right with God, but, you know, he's struggling. Praying for him. But people get so easily deceived. Seeing people watching filthy stuff and say, yeah, but they're mentioning God. Or listening to music that's crazy. I remember, who was this guy? I think he passed away recent, recently. DMX. He's a hip-hop artist. All I remember is his voice got on my nerves. He sounded manly, but man, he was so manly. I was like, oh, he's so manly. Like, golly, I can't stand it. I, what, what I tell my wife, one of my uh, coined words, I can't standle him. I can't handle him and I can't stand him. I can't standle it. And he was just crazy. But he had a song that was about God. And, uh, you know, artists, what they do is they, they put out there their struggles. That's their poetry to release pressure. And I understand that. I like poetry. I've written poetry. Sometimes you, you release um, stress that way and anxiety by writing about it. That's one of your outlets. And, and artists, they produce music about their lives and what they're going through. And he had a song about God. But the rest of his music was a mess, even on the same album. But people are so quick to be deceived. This lady's walking around here going, these men are servants of the Most High God. Can you imagine how, how that was? And they've come to tell you how to be saved. Was that the truth? Yes. But a demon was in her talking. Did you know Jesus would show up and demons would go, what have we to do with you, son of the Most High God? They were telling the truth, but they were already ready to deceive someone. Right off. This is very, very eye-catching here. Don't be deceived just because of what someone says. I've watched folks over the years, and the best way to know if someone's a believer, a true believer, is how they live and act, not by what they say. I speak fluent Christianese. I do. I can tell you some spiritual stuff with words that you recognize from church, or words, if you didn't grow up in church, words that'll dazzle you and impress you. But that's never been what it's about. Scripture says, the book of James, faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. And you take, take that scripture and get to this point where it's a, it's a girl with a, a spirit of divination operating in her, and she's proclaiming the word of God, it looks like. And many people, they'd be deceived and go, hey, she's a prophet. Years ago, we had a young lady who would come to church here, Lord help her. She was not a mean person. She seemed to be well-meaning, but I think she was struggling with some similar things. And she would come around and do weird things and say weird things and and, and she, she impressed some people with all the spiritual stuff she was saying. But she was not living right. You can always follow and watch someone's actions and go, hmm. Other, other people trying to be spiritual once again go, I'm not going to judge. Jesus said in the New Living Translation, look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly. Within the church, we are to make judgments. What is a judgment? A decision for right. Make a good decision. And there are those right now, I'm telling you, that they fall, they fall for it when someone talks great and they don't live right. And Jesus said, you will know them by their fruit. It doesn't matter a whole heck of a lot what someone's saying if their fruit doesn't line up with that. I've, I've watched that growing up. I've been around some people who were amazing and talked way less than others, and their life showed it. It's like, wow. And others talked real big. They talked a big game, but their fruit didn't line up. We're, we're, we're called to be fruit inspectors, according to Jesus. Had a kid tell me months back, he said, uh, 
It's crazy that you said that, Pastor Matt. He said, I, I went to a Bible study. He said, right after you had said that, I don't remember if it was right after or right before, in all honesty, now that I'm thinking about it. But he said, that, what you're saying confirms it because I went to a Bible study and the guy, man, talked a big game, but even during the Bible study, he was cussing. He was leading a Bible study. <laughs> yeah, Felicia's like, what? Uh, red flag. Red flag. He's cussing during the Bible study. Scripture says, how can, how can, how can a, a spring give forth bitter and sweet water? Something's up. It shouldn't be that way. So that's a red flag. So here we go. We go back to this verse. These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Now here's where the spirit of discernment kicks in by the Spirit of God. Let's go on to the next verse. Look at this. This went on day after day until, I love this translation, until Paul got so exasperated, I think one translation says grieved, that he turned and said to the demon within her, Scripture says we don't war against flesh and blood, right? So he knew there was a demon behind that. He knew that a girl with divination fortune-telling was not helping them minister the gospel. She was trying to deceive people. She wasn't, the demon was. Paul turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus... Christ to come out of her and instantly it left her now get ready they're about to get in trouble just foreshadowing they did the right thing right cast a demon out of someone so she can be free and so she can shut up just making sure you're listening <laughs> we tell it like it is praise God her masters she had more than one master her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered she was their 401k plan they were going to retire on the spirit of divination so they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. Look at all the accusation now, all of a sudden. They start blowing it up. You ever been in a situation where someone just made it real big and complicated and weird and demonic, and you go, that's not even what I did or said. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews. Is it? Was it? They shouted to the city officials, no, you're just going to lose money on the little girl with the spirit of divination. They're teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. Actually, if you study Roman history, Romans allowed for local culture to keep their religion. They did. Now, if you start messing with them and start rioting or revolting, they'll kick your tail. They'll crush you. But Romans actually let people do their thing as a whole. There were problems, and you'll see it with Christianity. But up to this point, they would let people practice their customs and their religion as long as they paid taxes and hushed. Right, and admitted that the Romans were the champions and they had subjugated and conquered them. But, you know, kind of limited freedom there. They're teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob, don't you just love the mob? No, you don't. Nobody loves the mob unless you're crazy. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. Here's what's going to happen tonight. I'm going to get into the story, and I'm going to leave you wanting and waiting for the next bit of the story, and then we're going to stop, and we'll continue next week. But if you're totally fascinated, get on home and read this for yourself tonight. But I'm going to find a stopping point somewhere in the story. They were severely beaten. You know, here's the interesting thing about being beaten with a rod. I don't know if you guys remember this. There was a diplomat's son who knocked some windows out in a car. Was it in the mid-90s? Y'all remember that? Maybe late 90s. Oh, did he graffiti? Y'all remember that? Was it, where was it? Indonesia? It was in an Asian country. 
he, he's not going to do that. No, he can't be penalized. He's the dip, he's ambassador's son or something, a diplomat's son. Was he American, by the way? He was American. Was, it, was he the American? I think, I remember him as being American, but I could be wrong. We can look it up. But they didn't stop it, and I believe he got caned. And what they do, caning, is they use bamboo sticks. And I don't know if you've ever been hit with a bamboo stick. I have not, but it looks really dangerous in the martial arts movies. The thing about getting hit with bamboo sticks is when you get hit on your rear, it splits your skin open. You get hit with a light, strong rod, it splits your skin every, at every impact point. So they were beaten. Let's go, to, let's go to the previous verse. Let's just get that into our minds. So they were stripped and beaten with wooden rods. So their skin was split all over the place. They were severely beaten, then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. Um, seems like that would go without saying as a jailer, hey, don't let the prisoners escape. But they, told, they ordered him, nonetheless, nevertheless, don't let them escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon, the inner dungeon. They were locked up tight after they'd been whipped and beaten for what? Casting a demon out of a girl that cost some people some money. And clamped their feet in the stocks. So they're locked up in there. And then what happened? Around midnight. Around, someone say around midnight. Some have said, I don't know if it's true scientifically or astronomically, but some have said, man, midnight is a symbol of the darkest point of night. I don't know when the darkest point of night is, but that sounds pretty accurate. Midnight, for some, if you go to bed at a decent hour, is the middle of the night. <laughs> midnight. I've awakened before. We have, a, we have one of our dogs. They're aging, and... She gets, gets me up sometimes, and I think it was night before last, she had me up at about 12, 11, and it, I'd been asleep about three hours. I fell asleep at nine, I admit it, and we were asleep early. Don't let the youthful face fool you. I go to bed pretty early, get up early, you know, as we can. Sometimes we stay up late. But it felt like the middle of the night <laughs> for all intents and purposes. I was like, come on, let's go outside. I didn't want her to have an accident in the house, you know. She's an aging little old lady dog. And as I said, let's go outside. It was midnight. She'd been wandering and panting. I said, oh, heaven, she needs a restroom. So I took her outside. And it felt like midnight. It was dark and late and cold. So around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Someone say praying and singing. There's... They're probably dehydrated. They're probably dizzy from being dehydrated. They're disoriented. They're away from home, wherever home was. They're on the road doing the right thing and getting persecuted for doing that, that aforementioned right thing. And now they're bleeding. They're probably, they're, their backs are probably sticking to the walls with the blood. The blood's drying. And what did they do? They began to pray and sing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Let's stop right there. I want to tell you something. I was tempted to worry about something about two nights ago. And I shared this with my Bible study last night. But it was interesting because I woke up and I was battling with something. We'd just been going through a little something there. And I was, I was, you know how it is. Have you ever done that? You wake up in the night and you're, you're still trying to work out the problem. <laughs> you're worried about it. And it was so interesting because it was about four in the morning. Once again, that same dog, I could hear her moving about the room. So it was about four in the morning, and man, I was asleep. But you know, part of my, it's like part of my mind was awake there. 
And I started to worry, and just as quick, I didn't do it. It was an involuntary reaction. must have been the Spirit of God within me communicating with my spirit. I began to praise God. And all I said was, Lord, I praise you. It was one phrase. And I will never forget that moment because the worry vanished just as quickly as it had come. And I wasn't fully awake. I give God praise for his grace. But here's the example. There is power in your worship. Worship is humility. Praise is thanking God for what he's done. But whatever you call it, you were called to worship. This is a worship service. So when we hear the word, we worship. When we meet together, we worship. When we pray, we worship. When we give, we worship. When we sing, we're worshiping. Right now, you listening, you are worshiping. So here's what I want you to do tonight. We're going to stop at that verse. I promised you I was going to divide it up, keep it interesting. So just remember around midnight, that's verse 25 of chapter 16. We'll start again next week. We'll continue. Go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. Let's pray. Spanish service is going to be coming in soon.